0: you're listening to the solo to ceo podcast with davina frederick
1: hello and welcome to the solo to ceo podcast where we provide a mix of powerful thought-provoking and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to ceo of a high impact high revenue generating business i'm your host davina frederick and i'm here this morning with Kimra Major Morris, founder and CEO of Major Morris Law. Welcome, Kimra.
0: Thank you, Davina. Good morning.
1: Good morning. I'm so happy you're here this morning. I tell us a little bit about uh Major Morris Law and uh and how you how long you've been in, in practice and what what kind of law do you practice and how do you
0: serve your clients? Okay, so Major Morris Law, LLC is in Orlando, Florida, or technically a popka, which is just outside of orlando it's uh, it's block blocks away from orlando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my practice area is intellectual property law. I do some entertainment as well, and the firm was founded in two thousand and nine and has been focused on those two practice areas for the entire time intellectual property and entertainment law Um, and the way that came about was because of my extensive background in the entertainment and media and I went into something I love so the whole purpose um, in me setting up this firm was to serve the creative community and brand owners Um, I just love working with creative people so it's a small boutique firm based in Orlando it's primarily a virtual practice although I do meet with clients as, as often as possible in person.
1: So <clears throat> explain to us what, when it's intellectual property, what that, what that entails, what does that mean?
0: Okay, so intellectual property covers four areas, and I practice in three of the four. Under the intellectual property umbrella is copyright law, trademark law, trade secret law, and patent law. I'm not a licensed patent attorney, but I do assist creative um, content providers, so writers, songwriters, artists, um, uh, what else? authors, I said writers already, but people who are creating things with their copyright protection, business owners, uh, that's the bulk of uh, my clientele, business owners who are trying to protect the business names that they do business with, um, their logos that identify their companies, um, any slogans that they have. So there's trademarks are source identifiers. So that's another thing that falls under intellectual property. Um uh, trade secrets are the things that this is proprietary information, your mailing list, those the, the essential things that help to keep your business, set your business apart from another business. Um that's trade secret law. So, and I work with business owners and the creative community to protect those things that are really valuable assets. Often, they are the most, the company's most valuable asset.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So, tell, so, let me ask you this: How, at what point, do you have clients come to you? let's say you own a business at what point do you have clients come to you who own a business and they want to protect their, um, their logo, let's say, or their, you know, things related to their brand. Well, ideally
0: sometimes startups come to me. That's the best time. Actually. Um, It just doesn't happen often enough in the real world, but before People um, name their businesses, they should consult with an intellectual property attorney or someone skilled in or knowledgeable about trademark law. This happens so often that people will think of a name and they'll go straight to their business directory uh you know we're in Florida, so we go to the sunbiz.org dot org website and we look to see if a name is available and if it's a, if no one else has it on Sunbiz, then we automatically think. That it's going to be ours, um the problem with that is that the Sunbiz has and all other state websites division of corporations have a big disclaimer that says, if you name your business <laughs> something based on what's found in our directory, we're not responsible for your infringement. Uh, people miss the small print, so what people should be doing is conducting or having a professional conduct a comprehensive trademark search. Um, sometimes people think they're being clever when they change the spelling and a thing, a business name or something sounds the same. Under trademark law, the spelling doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that someone else might be confused about the difference between your business and the one that your business sounds like. Um, so that's the best time for people to come, especially now in this digital age. when people, we have websites, we have social media pages, um, you know, you're Everything is subject to an infringement claim if you haven't checked it out. And so I had someone just, what, a month ago to come to me and um, someone was infringing on her trademark and we reported it to Instagram and the other person's entire page was removed. So if oh, built wow. up a business of 20,000 followers but never searched the brand name, uh, it could just be gone overnight because you didn't make sure you weren't stepping on anyone's toes.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. That's huge. That's huge. What, so give, give me an idea of what's sort of involved in the process of hire. I think there's a lot of, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of fear that people have involved in, especially when they're starting out, you know, maybe they think that, um, Well, you know, my little business here in this state, nobody's going to (laughs) notice what I'm doing over here when, you know, there's somebody else out in Arizona, they're running their bakery in Arizona, they're not going to notice my little bakery here in Florida with the same name or something Mm -hmm. similar or, you know, whatever. Um, And so they don't want to spend the money on an attorney. Mm-hmm. To do the trademark or whatever so give can you give me sort of some you know idea of some of the issues that they can run into if they have if they go into it with sort of that
0: train of thought sure okay so let's take that example i think there was well tiggly wiggly is a grocery store and it started off as a small grocery store um it was a local store and then um it was named uh, for a federal for I'm sorry a national franchise, um, and that was a dispute. But that train of thought, first of all, is not a good business strategy because if you are the business owner who's starting a business in Orlando and you're not concerned that a, a company in New Jersey might have the same name, it's short sighted now because what are you going to do on social media? is, you know, it's a race to who starts up the Instagram first. So there's confusion, you know, going to be likely confusion among the customers with on social media. Um, also, all it takes is for one person to decide to to file a federal trademark application to give them the authority to send you a cease and desist notice. So what am I saying? I'm saying that if you are in Florida and you don't have a federal trademark, you have what's called common law trademarks. That means you just started using it and you acquired trademark rights. So you're not bothering anyone for now. But if the person in New Jersey had the same name before you and decided to file a federal application, then that federal um, status gives them the right to now send you, the Orlando business owner, a cease and desist notice. Um, They can also, with that federal registration, Go and take down your website, your social media pages, any form of online marketing that would be confusing to customers, so it seems like it's not a big deal, but it it it's you you you're just constantly looking over your shoulder if you set your your business up that way without being concerned about the person who's going to have superior rights
1: so let's <clears throat> let's be clear but for the non attorneys who might be listening to this, and I'm sure there are many um so let's mm-hmm. be clear about the law and the jurisdiction. And and so trademarks is uh, governed by the federal government, not the state government.
0: Well, in some cases, so let me get thank you for pointing that out. So there are, there is a thing called federal trademark rights. Um, and so you go through that process, it takes six to 10 months. To get a trademark certificate, if you qualify, you have to apply to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, also known as USPTO. That's the strongest trademark protection you can have um, because it's going to give you the exclusive right to use your business name, your brand name, your logo, your slogan within the United States. Remember, this is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, so this is not a global. Uh, right that you're getting when you get a federal trademark certificate.
1: Mm-hmm. Then
0: a lot of states have state trademarks that they offer. So if I go to um, SunBiz, there's uh, that's our Florida Secretary of State uh, website. If I go there, then I can apply for a state trademark, which is going to give me the exclusive right to use my business name and logo and Slogan, Whatever I apply for, you can apply for each one of those separately in the state of Florida. Not going to give me any right to use it outside of Florida. Um, so you can do that. Yeah. I still think that's short-sighted just because of the Internet, because if you're doing business on the Internet, you're automatically um, you know, available, making your availing your services to people outside of Florida. I do yeah, recommend. The internet sometimes. has really changed
1: everything, hasn't it? Social media, the internet yeah. has changed everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So you can do that. You can have a state trademark or a federal trademark. Um, and then there are the people who just start doing business and don't do a state or a federal trademark. They have what's called common law trademark rights, which um, you know if they they tend not to offer as much protection. Um, there are instances where they do, but what common law trademarks give um, business owners when they just start selling lemonade, let's say, you know, at a park or every year you're going to go to a festival and sell your lemonade, it's it's gonna, only going to give you geographic trademark rights, which is not going to be the entire state of Florida. It's just going to be the small area in in which you're making your services available to the public. So there are levels to trademark protection uh, and most business owners should be aiming for federal protection.
1: And what about, you know, we mentioned global, the word global Mm -hmm. earlier, because, you know, when you're on the internet, you're global.
0: Correct. So if you are selling your products and services outside of the United States, then you might look into global protection. But in order to get global protection, you have to identify the territory for which you want to sell your products and services because in order to get a trademark certificate, you have to be able to show that your products and services are sold in a particular area. So you can't just get a trademark in Mexico, um, you know, or somewhere, you know, outside of the country if you don't have if you can't show that your products and services are being sold in those areas. Mm -hmm. So each region has a different process. And so those of us who are practicing only in the U.S. have to subcontract. You know, we have to hire attorneys in the territory for our clients to get those other certificates.
1: So, b- depending on the nature of your business, it can get pretty um, complicated. But even if you think your business is simple, because of the internet and social media and how you may be using it, and also just like you said, you want to be thinking long term, not short mm-hmm. term, the growth of your business. You know, you you initially when you start a business, you may be thinking, oh well, you know, I'm just going to do this. But what if you, you know, every business owner hopes to be wildly successful.
0: Right. <laughs> and what if right. you become
1: wildly successful? Uh, you know, right. you want to be thinking that you are going to become wildly successful. And so it's it's good to have an attorney who helps you think through what if you become wildly successful? And right. what is the what are the implications of that? And what you know, what's let's prepare for that now because the comparison of what it that cost of investing in some good advice at the beginning versus the ramifications of defending
0: your oh my goodness mark
1: yeah.
0: I, I had a um an owner of a parking lot uh so you have to think about if you how if you have the brick and mortar business and you have the signage and a lot of companies have vehicles with the company name on them if you get a cease and desist notice, many times you're, you have at the most 30 days to stop using a particular thing. So this means you would have to take down all uh, marketing, you know, online advertising. That means your even Yelp, <laughs> Google reviews, your website has to, you know, be completely changed. Your vehicles, all that marketing has to be redone it's it's extremely expensive and so for anyone who thinks that hiring an attorney up front um is something they can't afford, you know you just have to think about the the bigger picture and, because um, it's not
1: just hiring an attorney down the road to defend you in in a matter it's all it's redoing all of yeah, your all your brand identity. Your brand yeah, so. identity. Yeah. And, Correct. And and, make, and that's, like, that's like an octopus out there with all these tentacles and right. pulling all of that back, you know?
0: Right. It's just not worth it. Um, you know, even for people who just, you know, they, well, there are a lot of people who think they can just go to the USPTO website and do a free search. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I was going to yes, ask you about that
0: next. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the free there is a free search for uh free trademark search but we have to identify what that really means um what it means is you're going to the united states patent and trademark office and you're checking the register to find out what trademarks have already been filed and if some people think that if they don't see the one that they want then they can go ahead and start using a thing um that's wrong because Again, spelling the spelling of a of, of a particular business name doesn't matter. So think about the person who wants to start a business and they want to call it Adidas. And instead of spelling it like the company Adidas does, with you know a, the I for the the E sound, uh, you know this this yeah. person says I want to start an apparel line and I want to call it Adidas and they spell it with E's and Y's. <laughs> So if they search that, if they go into the USPTO and put in their unique spelling of Adidas and it's not there, the person who has no knowledge of trademark law might think that that's available. In fact, they do often think that, um, think that they add a number or change the spelling that somehow it's not going to be trademark infringement. Um, So you know that that person who has searched the directory has come away with the wrong conclusion that their name is not infringing that's one scenario the other scenario is um you have a similar spelling to something else and you know you're selling the same products and, and services that's infringing even if it's a whole different word you could have Davina's uh coaching Davina's coaching and let's say you're in class 45, 45 for professional services.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, someone else might have um, Davina's um, courses, <laughs> you know, and because it's not Davina's coaching they, and they want to do class 45 because it's not the same as yours. They think that they can get away with that. So that's no, because you have to remember the whole point in trademark protection is so that it's a consumer protection law. We don't want people being confused about which business they're supporting so Um, if it
1: creates confusion in the mind of the consumer as to what as to what business they're dealing with Mm -hmm.
0: that's where the issue arises right as to what the source of services or products is so who is is davina frederick behind this service or is davina i don't know Davina Major Morris. <laughs> so we, if we can't tell the difference, uh, mm-hmm. then if, if people are are confused, then most of the mm-hmm. time it's a case of trademark infringement.
1: Mm-hmm. So what about, so once you've got your mark, then are you just set then? You've got it, <laughs> you're just set, and you're like, woohoo, I'm golden, I don't ever have to worry about this again. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs>
0: Not at all. <laughs> so the trademark law requires, it's a piece of property. Remember that. So if you have real estate, you're responsible for uh, your taxes, you, the maintenance there. Same thing with trademark uh, property or intellectual property. You are responsible for maintenance. So once you have your Federal trademark certificate. Uh, There's a second page that comes with the certificate that tells you important deadlines. Um, They make it really clear that you understand you're responsible for enforcing your trademark rights. So that means um, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't enforce them, then you, you can be giving someone consent to use it, implied consent. Um, so if you're aware, in other words, if you're aware that someone else is using something similar or the same as your trademark, then you're legally required to give them notice that they're infringing on your trademark. If you don't do that, then the, the marks are going to coexist, and that person will have a legal argument that they should be able to keep continue having the right to use it because you didn't enforce your trademark rights. Um, so that's one thing, so you're responsible for enforcement, and then every five years you're responsible for reporting to the trademark office and telling them in so many words that you're still using your trademark, and you have to pay a maintenance fee, It's somewhere around $100, uh, around the five-year mark, and then a couple hundred dollars between the ninth and tenth year. So. Basically, every five years, you have to file something with the Trademark Office to make sure um, the government or the, you know, the Trademark Office is still going to keep your um, status on the Trademark mm-hmm. Record as active, or it'll still say registered, um, and it'll help it. It's public record. People will know if you didn't pay your maintenance fees mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's another, I'm glad you brought that up, because sometimes when people see that a trademark um, registration has gone into abandonment, they Mm -hmm. think that um, that's a chance for them to pounce on something that might have been popular. So what if there's Harvard Law School? And who knows? The legal department at Harvard forgets to file their maintenance documents. And then suddenly, the Harvard trademark registration looks like it's been abandoned. And you are just about to start your own school, And you think that just because Harvard's mark went into abandonment that you can count on that? (laughs) Well, it's a it's a famous Harvard Law School. (laughs) People really think this, and so but that has become a famous mark. So even that's a technicality at this point because everybody knows, you know, Harvard Law School, and there's goodwill and there's a reputation that's linked to the name now. So it's a famous mark. And that means that just because the application might have gone into abandonment, you're still going to be served with a cease and desist notice if you try to start a school called called Harvard. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. darn, that plan's not going to work. Uh, right. <laughs> I, guess I, I guess to scratch that off and move on to my next, my next legal plan. Um, all right. Uh, well, we could talk about we could talk about trademarks for probably the whole hour, but I do want to move on to some other things because you 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 cover a lot in your practice, and um, you work with some. You really are. You're not your average um, intellectual property lawyer. You have some pretty uh, famous and infamous clients, and yeah, obviously, we're not going to reveal clients, but. <laughs> um, you do work in the entertainment industry and yeah. I want to talk I want to kind of get into some of this uh copyright aspects and trade secret aspects and uh entertainment entertainment law aspects of what it what you do and get you to sort of delve into that a little bit and explain explain that
0: well so the, I, the history there is kind of funny um I, I started off in- as a as a hip-hop artist, if, if <laughs> most people can't imagine that, but I was a rapper um, at, right out of-
1: I've never heard you I'm, rap. How have I missed I was, this? Oh my goodness, ah, I, won't, I won't make it, you rap today, but, not, but uh, I will don't. keep that in mind for karaoke night with Kimra ah, in the future.
0: It was so much fun. So I did that for probably six years. Um, fortunately, I stayed in college. While I was uh, performing, I took vocal uh, – Betty Wright, the famous R&B singer, was my vocal coach. And one time oh, I hi. opened for Big Daddy Kane and <laughs> these old-school hip-hop artists. I had a lot of fun um, in my early 20s doing that. And then I became a mom, and I segued into what I got my degree in, which was video production. Um So mm-hmm. then – um but right out of my rap career, <laughs> we're gonna call it that, I worked for <laughs> Bobby Brown in Atlanta. Um, he had a record company where I was doing promotions and at one point I was a personal assistant, um, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was it was a great experience. I've also worked for, you know, some other um uh, artists and management companies in the music business and T V stations Uh, there was a caribbean like a caribbean mtv one time where i was a video editor um so that kind of stuff those jobs didn't last all that long i worked for bobby for two years but um you know at a certain point you know i realized that the the music business was not really for me on the level in which i was working because it wasn't stable so a new manager would come in and then my job would be gone. <laughs> so right. thankfully, I was flexible, and I went and got an entry-level job at CNN where I did uh, studio camera work and Tyron, which is, you know, where you have the picture that the reporter is talking about and all the breaking news typing at the bottom of the screen. I was that person in the control room. Um, so I did that for CNN in Atlanta, and I moved to New York and did it for the headquarters uh, for at Ten Plaza, I'm sorry, for the fa- financial division of cnn but the background in the entertainment i stayed in touch with those people even after i left you know as a performer and then as a promotions person i stayed in touch with my network which is really important for no matter what industry you're in Mm -hmm. i think is to just stay plugged in um even though i wasn't sure what i wanted to do i maintained those relationships so when i went from um Music the music business to uh, television Then I was doing post-production work and really enjoyed editing Uh, took a a special interest in editing and Ran a video production company for 10 years before I started practicing law Um, So that really is the background how I was able to jump right into private practice with entertainment um, And intellectual property coming out of law school because my video production company uh, one of my clients was DET so I was able to go to Soul Train Awards and do red carpet Photography and you know interview these the stars and a lot of times I had seen them or interacted with them at some earlier point in my career So again, you know this being to staying familiar with people in the industry has made a big difference um, so now with my lawyer hat on You know, a lot of times I can just remind people of where they know me from. And, you know, my referral base is pretty huge in that industry. So I negotiate music contracts. I um, draft and negotiate independent contractor agreements. I help people protect their trade secrets a lot of times, especially if it's um, a company that has a, a software platform you know we're able to identify the things that are unique to that business where if a competitor knew that then they would lose their edge so those kinds of agreements I've been able since I've worked in that capacity and and I guess in some respects then I have a um i guess a more a stronger appreciation for what is involved and how many hands might cross this particular thing so we're able to identify specific people in the contract uh that that may be an issue uh, as for as far as confidentiality uh, and non-compete language that can go in there so it's, you know it's um it's a really good mix i'm i'm grateful for for the mix of work i, <laughs> I may um I don't know. I, I like to switch it up some. So it's, it's not as predictable as some practice areas I, I'm thinking. Uh, but I really enjoy the clients and the kinds of projects that I get to work with.
1: So do you believe that's probably the, the key factor, the most important factor in your success so far is that is that I'm having fun? Uh, yeah. Network of contacts. <laughs> that network of contacts.
0: That too. Yes, I definitely think so. Because, you know, I am a people person. And I don't know that you have to be a people person to to have a strong network. Now, I see a lot of people, um, companies that are engaging brand ambassadors. So if you have somebody, let's say I, if I were not an attorney, I would probably make a great brand ambassador for somebody who wanted to be plugged into the to the industry. So sometimes we have to get creative with how we, how we get to these people, you know. So if you're not going to, if you, if it's not your personality to go and be at a networking event or, um, you know, to, to have, um, these relationships, then, you know, we can get creative and hire someone who can be the spokesperson or the face of your company who doesn't mind being in the mix like that.
1: Oh, that's a great, that's great advice. That's great advice. What, what do you think the, uh, biggest challenge for women entrepreneurs is as opposed to male counterparts is Hmm. in, you know, in, in being, entrepreneurs and kind of going from that solo to CEO level in, in the entertainment industry and in the, in in this sort of level.
0: I would say for me, it's been, and I, and from what I can see in other women, we are queens of multitasking and, (laughs) You know, so I, along the way, I have two daughters and, you know, I, that was the reason why I emerged out of my career as a rapper because at 26, I became a mom. Um, and I jokingly tell people that I put the microphone down <laughs> when my child was born <laughs> so I could feed her. <laughs> so, so I went into this, this post-production world, which I must say was extremely rewarding financially I had no idea because people didn't talk about production jobs um and when I was in high school so that was a real eye opener but for women I would say just the amount of things that we have on our plate a lot of times you know if we're not mothers uh, sometimes we're uh, caregivers to our parents and right now uh, I am a caregiver um you know but but going through the process of um becoming a, an entrepreneur, there was motherhood. There was, I have to um, constantly be adding to my, um, my portfolio, you know, what my technical skills is. It, it's always, you have to grow. You have to grow professionally. And then if you decide that you're going to have a family, you know, if, if you haven't, if you don't have the right partner or someone who's supportive of your entrepreneurship and your need to, you know, say, go to a conference to invest in yourself or, you know, I've had, for me, uh, you know, it's almost been seamless, even though these are some big things. I mean, I've gone through a divorce. You know, all these things can upset us. To the, And depending on how well we manage our emotions, um, we may not be able to focus on, building and investing in a business because we, uh, you know, feel like we've been being pulled in so many different directions. Right. Where, yeah, I don't think it's as common with men. Um, You know, I have two older brothers and, you know, they, they, I don't know. I haven't seen this kind of, um, I haven't seen them with these kinds of, with the same kinds of challenges. Um, They seem to be able to focus on, um I guess we can all focus on what we choose to focus on but it doesn't seem to that they have any tough choices like the ones I've had to make.
1: Yeah, and what do you I mean, do you think that's because women don't um don't ask for help? Do you think we're more inclined to just not ask
0: for help? i think i yeah sometimes we don't have the the support Uh, you know i i um i went back but is it because we don't
1: ask or accept it or is it because we don't or because Mm -hmm. you know people just don't step up and volunteer and because or you know do they step up and volunteer and we turn it down i mean you know what do you yeah I, i think i yeah i don't
0: know if it's that, but I, I can only speak for my personal interaction. So with, with the circle of friends that I have, I think sometimes we tell ourselves that what we, you know, it's that we can't do things, you know, so that's I have some really close friends and they're talented and they're brilliant and sometimes we'll talk about what I think would be strategic and it just stops at the conversation. You know, so I think sometimes we get in our heads, you know, we believe the you know, the the lies that we tell ourselves, you know, and it seems like sometimes um
1: Yeah that's a powerful we, statement. We believe the lies that we tell ourselves.
0: Yeah. And and we just don't move. We get stuck. Um we get stuck. So yeah. I, I I I don't know if, what what it's from. Um
1: well, and despite, I, I, despite getting stuck, you know, um, you for you, you you are you've been recognized by Super Lawyers as a Florida rising star.
0: <laughs> you, yeah, <you've> been, <laughs> uh, you know,
1: you're an AV rated <laughs> attorney. Uh, you've worked with Grammy nominated producers, uh, The yes. Voice, and American Idol contestants. You've had your your career continues to evolve you continue to work with more and more. So, so somehow that's the amazing thing. That's the thing that always amazes me about working with women is that, you know, we, we have these conversations among ourselves, you know, we all, we get together over our wine on girls night out and we have these conversations and we say, you know, we just, we can't, we can't do it all. And we just can't accomplish these. And then you start talking and you realize you're talking to a room full of, very accomplished people Mm -hmm. and we're doing it all while we're taking care of parents and children and, you know, all of this stuff. And yet, Mm -hmm. and I think what it is, is that we just, you know, we all have such big dreams and big ideas and we just want more. We just want more. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I think we have a responsibility. The way I've approached it, I have a responsibility to myself. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, I've always, I look back and, and I was kind of joking as I was thinking about what to, what to share, but, um, I used to make placemats as a kid and, and sell them to my neighbors. <laughs> and, uh, my mom was a world book encyclopedia, uh, representative and I, I was probably 15 when I was dressed up, you know, in, Business attire with my little briefcase selling world book encyclopedias as a teenager. So I, <laughs> there was something always present in me that, um, that liked the feeling of making my own money. Um, so I, you know, I've been an employee before. It's not that I've never uh, worked for other people, but once I started working for myself, I loved it. So I wow. I love the flexibility in the hours. I love um the family time. I love the financial freedom. Um it's there's just so many rewards that you would never experience mm-hmm. by by being afraid of stepping out on your own. Um, so I And once think you get
1: control of that once you learn that you have control of the of what you can create, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you say, I can create whatever it is that I want to create. And yeah. whereas if you're working, if you're in a job, then you you're- make an agreement for, I'm going to do this amount of work for this amount of money. That's mm-hmm. what you've agreed to. Whereas if you are, once you get in that entrepreneurial mindset, you, you, mm-hmm. you're sitting here going, you, you no longer saying I can't afford it is really no longer an option for you because then you're sitting here going, what can I do to afford it?
0: If right. I want
1: it, how do I create it? Then it's a matter yeah. of, I don't want it bad enough to create what I need to create to afford it. Right. Right. right? It's all because on you.
0: And so you, it's all all take, you. Respons- you take responsibility. So I, that's why this has been, I would say entrepreneurship has been the biggest teacher for personal growth um a lot of times we talk about you know um, well, you know how there's the expression that people live check to check um mm-hmm. but I've always said this is blessing to blessing as a business owner, <laughs> you know <laughs> because you are really just out here um, sharing with people what you'd like to assist them with and they can always say yes or no Um, and anytime someone wants to work with you uh, you know and and uses their hard-earned money to compensate you for the job that you're doing you know that's a big responsibility here so it means late nights What I think about a lot of times when I'm tired, um, I do. I I engage in self care. I want to make sure I get that out there. But I do have a lot of nights where I'm up late because I'm thinking about the feeling of the the feeling of doing a job well. And so it's it's worth sometimes me losing some sleep. But I do make it up to myself. Um, I like you know to take breaks think right. that we should as entrepreneurs make sure we build in at least one day off a week.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I uh if you're it, it's a different kind of thing uh, what is the expression? I'd rather work 80 hours a week for myself than 40 hours a week for somebody else, right? So mm-hmm. right, <laughs>
0: right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, I'm not I'm not an advocate of that kind of you know, um, like flogging yourself to make a buck kind of thing. I definitely think that that there's a way that we can have we can have a a wonderful life with a lot of great things in it and create the kind of um, prosperity. And abundance mm-hmm. that we desire at the same time, um, but but you know y- there is nothing that says that you're limited from nine to five to making money. That money's limited from nine to five. We can only make money from nine to five. You know, there's nothing that says that, right? And we can only have we can only have time off from you know from after five,
0: or mm-hmm. on the weekend,
1: or we can only have time. You know, when you work for yourself, that is the advantage is that you can set your schedule and you can be a little bit more fluid with what you're doing, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, so that's one of the, that's one of the, that is the beauty of that. Um, particularly if you're in today's world, what is, and and this is something I want to talk to you about today's world with the internet and um, social media it has changed the way that we do business and you can conduct a business virtually which really leaves us with the opportunity to be 20 to to pop in and pop out 24 7 so we can really can set our schedule for whatever works for us yes I was reading a post the other day from somebody who said you know oh, you know if you're if you're goofing off at three in the afternoon, you could probably work more. And I looked at that and I'm laughing to myself because my husband goes and works out every afternoon at three and the man could not possibly work any more than he does. He works his butt off doing the, and I'm laughing at that because I'm going, you know, we have such, we have virtual businesses and our schedules are very fluid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we work at times when other people, you know, maybe sleeping or doing other things. Mm-hmm. So you have, that's one of the wonderful things about your business is you really kind of operate a virtual uh, business in a lot of ways. Yeah. You've really taken advantage of technology and operating your business and yeah, which would surprise a lot of people. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love it. And, and I got a taste of this. I, so as a video edit, when I had the video production company, it was the same thing. I only, I, operated my entire business with a laptop a video camera and a still camera that you know and and the hard drive but that's i could fly anywhere i could take my laptop and my camera anywhere i remember the days when i was dragging my camera and tripod through the airport because it was a virtual business but i would only be shooting maybe one or two days out of the week and the rest of the week would be editing um so this virtual life, I this is probably my twentieth year um, as a virtual business owner. And it's great. Wow. Great.
1: <laughs> and you're and now you can't imagine having to go someplace and sit in somebody's office. No.
0: Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean and it it works it it really does work i I do these consultations for clients over the phone just to get an idea um the discovery call you know what what it is they're looking for if 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 there's if if what they need is something I provide, and then um you know once we determine that it's a good fit, you know I send them the scope of representation an email if they accept, then there are payment links, um, and then after that, there's an intake form, you know, where I gather the information we talked about, where I have it in a format that I can refer to once I'm um, conducting the work, um, but then, you know, they get to review it, and it, it really is, has, it's, it's almost seamless, you know, it's probably, I don't know that it'll ever be seamless, but it's a smooth process. Um where people feel comfortable, you know probably fifteen years ago, you know people would not be comfortable with a virtual attorney. you know, I had someone recently an older person say i'm i'm coming to, I would like to meet because I need to see the person i'm paying. you know well, some people still have that um that mindset, and I don't mind i I do go and meet with people as needed, but it's usually not more than twice a month. And and that's the thing about intellectual property laws. It's federal, copyright, trademark, trade secret laws. They're federal, which means I can represent people anywhere in the country. So that's uh, something that's different about intellectual property versus family law, or um, you know, or, the, or another practice. So I, it is. Um, it does come with a lot of benefits for independence, and then, and I, I really enjoy that that aspect of my practice my practice
1: and you uh, and if you and if you need to meet them you can always you know if you you can always flip on a camera and meet people via some Mm -hmm. video zoom or something like that Um, well
0: it's it's usually an excuse for me to go to starbucks
1: (laughs) (laughs) go get that coffee get that coffee Mm -hmm. fix. it's good every now and then to put on a little makeup and pull the hair back and get out of the house right right (laughs) Um, the uh, you know I just think that uh, uh, a lot of people really love the um, you know we're on the go so much now people are so busy these days living their own lives doing their own thing that we've especially business business people people who are operating their own business people who might use your services that they they probably really love being able to just communicate with you on the fly and use the technology to be able to communicate with you and just say, here, you know, like can we just send this back and forth and sign this electronically? And Mm -hmm. can we just text about it, email about it, send it back and forth, meet over, you know, you know, flip open a time and have a quick conversation or whatever and move on with things. That's the
0: the common response when I tell people, you know, this is how I run my practice I'm going to send you this email. You'll see the payment links nine times out of 10, their response is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. People don't have time for in-person meetings. (laughs) Especially if you're dealing
1: with virtual entrepreneurs. I mean, so many entrepreneurs are, you know, running, Internet businesses, virtual businesses themselves, these days. Mm-hmm. Let's start, you know, to that to, to those are a lot of your clients, and I would imagine you have a lot of entertainment business clients. You're probably dealing with that too.
0: Yeah. What's nice because um, a large part of my referral base is not just um, former clients or current clients, but it's other attorneys too, because this is a more specialized practice area. I get a large uh, number of referrals from other attorneys, so that's nice.
1: Yeah, I, uh, because your your area is specialized. And so, you know, I think one of the common misconceptions that uh, the public has about attorneys is that we're kind of we walking, everything. talking, encyclopedias yeah. <laughs> of the law, and we know everything about every area of practice. And so, right. <laughs> as attorneys, it's really good to have a network of fellow attorneys who specialize and focus in different areas so that you know we're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> when mm-hmm. when we, when somebody calls on us and says, you know, I need help in this area and we don't know anything about it because except what we vaguely remember from law school. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember taking patent law in uh, law school and uh, patent law is a very specialized area and you have to have a certain undergraduate degree to be able to be a patent law attorney. And I don't have the undergraduate degree that is required for that but right, I, had, right. I had to take it in <laughs> law school for the because of the timing of it and everything and uh yeah so that's that you know i vaguely remember the things i learned in patent law so it's always it's always good to have you know people that you know in different areas that you can
0: say hey <laughs> oh yeah i certainly do yeah i don't even touch it i let them if they're calling and i it they might be on their second sentence but if i hear anything along the lines of immigration or family i'm immediately i i don't even let people finish i just say wait (laughs) before you explain the whole thing (laughs) i have a referral (laughs) (laughs) exactly
1: exactly well i think let me uh let's just we're kind of at the end of our hour here so i will before we wrap up i want to get some final thoughts from you are there any um Is there anything that you kind of last thoughts that you want to leave us with, with regard to intellectual property that as um, business owners, uh, solos transforming, you know, on our journey, small business owners that are on our journey to CEOs of larger businesses that we need to know about protecting our intellectual property, whether that's our trademarks or our trade secrets or copywriting our materials. I know there's a there's a lot of stuff that you could share with us. We could go on for hours, right? So, But I just want any sort of golden nugget that you think is just critical that you want to leave us with here at the last minute um, before we okay. sign off.
0: Sure. Uh, okay. So one of the ones that popped into my head was uh, we have identity theft, you know, as as people, but there is a thing, business or brand identity theft is what to think about when, when you think about the importance of protecting a trademark. You want to make sure that you have protections in place for your brand identity. That includes your business name, your business logo, your slogan, anything that's going to help people identify your business for the products and services that you're selling. You want to make sure you invest in protecting that because if someone infringes, it could upset things financially and it's costly to pay for the assistance to iron things out a lot of times. Um, another one that that people often overlook, if you have business partners and you are all going into, um, let's say, I don't know, any kind of industry, you want to incorporate Language about the intellectual property in your partnership agreement because what if one person leaves Do they get to continue to use the business thing? And so that kind of stuff is really touchy um, You know if it's not dealt with up front, so include business uh, Intellectual property your trademarks your copyright, you know any content anything if you if one person created it But your group of three business partners is using the thing that you created, you know have you? work that out, the percentages based on uh what you contributed, is there a copyright registration? So you have to make sure you're thinking about how to protect the work and who the contributors are gonna be on the record. Um, sometimes often that gets overlooked. Um, and that's a big one. Um yeah. it happens a lot of times with music groups, you know, you have people still going out and saying that they're with the group and they're not. Um, so that's a big one. Um, as far as, did you have questions?
1: No, no, go ahead. I was just going to add that, uh, uh, for, uh, it's a big, I would imagine it'd be a big thing too, for family businesses in, where there's a yeah. m- married couple, married couple mm-hmm. and in divorce as a, as okay. speaking as a former family law attorney in mm-hmm. divorce, you know, that would be, uh, an asset of a marriage, you know, could be, um, a, a, if a marriage splits up and there's a partnership there as well, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Absolutely. You want to also um, have language in there for your independent contractors that has to do with the independent, the intellectual property. You have an in-house graphic designer and they're creating all the artwork and doing different things. But if there's no transfer of ownership in writing, that that person still owns the art. And, um that's just not something that people think of. They think, well, if you' if I hired this person and I paid them, then it's mine. That's not how copyright law works. You have to have um a, an assignment you know, or some sort of um long term license or something in place to make sure that you, the business owner, have the right to continue to use the the creative content after the relationship is is over. So those that is, and that three. is a
1: huge, that's a huge one that is and that is so interesting to me because I've had, um, I've had many I've hired many like photographers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, graphic designers and it's always amazing to me how many of them, you know, send me things and I well, I own, they, they say I own, I, own it. It. I own this, you know, yeah, we they we send me and they it. say it. I own it and I'm sitting here going, well, wait a minute, I paid you <laughs> for it. What do you mean you right. own it?
0: It's like a wedding photographer. A lot of times, people think, "Wait, I paid thousands of dollars for you to to capture my wedding. What do you mean? I don't own the footage. You you own a copy of the footage. So unless you have, unless there's specific language in that agreement that says that the photographer or videographer is assigning their ownership in the content, because whoever captures it is the cop is the author is the copyright owner." So they are the copyright owner of your your wedding video, but you paid them to capture it. You didn't pay them to capture it and assign the right so a lot of times that's that's for obvious reasons confusing to people because most of us think if we're paying for something, we should own it but uh copyright law is different,
1: yeah. Yeah, oh so many there's so many things that uh we could get into with this and so many questions I could ask you but I think we've we've covered a whole lot here today and I really yes. really appreciate it.
0: Thank, um, you, thank you for you so having much. me, Davina. Yes, I appreciate it and always I I love what you do and um yeah, I don't know. I just want to say that I have been the beneficiary of your coaching. Um you helped me to definitely put some things on my radar to be more conscious of because I've been guilty of being the solo with all capital letters. <laughs> um, so as I continue on this journey, um, you know, to be, I would say uh, a bona fide CEO, I just want to thank you for the things that you put on my radar and I'm working through my list, but it is a, a journey and, um, you know, we just have to stay motivated.
1: That's right. And, yeah. that's right. That's right. And, and then it's, and have fun along the way because that's really what it's yep. about, too. It's just enjoying everything on the way. So tell us how we can find you on the interwebs.
0: Well, my website is majormorrislaw.com. It's M A J O R M O R R I S L A W.com. If you'd like to schedule a consultation, you can click on the contact tab that's to the upper far right. On Instagram, I am Kimra E S Q. Um I'm not as active on Twitter, but you can still find me on there. My handle is I am major. I okay. am yes. Yeah. Okay. And of course you can find me on LinkedIn. But I tend to only accept those people that I know. So if you don't send me a, a note then I'm likely not going to <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: all right so but they can go to you I mean the best place probably is your website it's full of great information yes. about you and um, about what what you do and how you can help people and how they can schedule a consultation with you so that yes. is terrific. thanks so much camera and uh, I look forward to talking with you more and thank you I'll
0: again start- Davina The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by Dee Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO System. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high impact, high revenue generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solo-to-ceo.biz/webinar.